Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast um, dedicated to our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear there, all black and brown and covered in hair. not heavily leaning anymore uh no we're dedicated <laughs> uh, <laughs> straight everyone this has gone like religious now um hi everyone i'm chicky um i am at the chicken on twitter uh, and today we're going to be covering um jamie's final chapter in a storm of swords jamie nine and it is um the chapter from whence we derive our podcast name so it's a very good day for us um today i'm joined by uh guile hey i'm guile and i tweet at door podcast and lot hi i'm lady of tarth you can find me at the lady of tarth on twitter i looked it up this time oh my god (laughs) and devin hey this is devin gd harper on twitter Okay, so let's uh, dig into this. This is a very meaty chapter. I love how we're like, this is the close the door and come here chapter, but it's really um, colloquially known as the Oathkeeper chapter for obvious reasons. Mm. So we open up with uh, Jamie um, watching Tom and sign a bunch of um, documents. They're um, pardoning a bunch of people involved in the War of the Five Kings, and they're punishing some people involved in the War of the Five Kings. Um, Jamie's bored out of his mind. Um, he hates this sort of thing, but he's also thinking about the fact that he's very sore because he was, um, sparring with Adam Marbrand the night before he finally, um, decided that he needed to try out, uh, the old left hand and it apparently did not go very well. Um, he's, he's thinking that he would have been killed. What is it? A couple dozen times if they'd been using real swords and not swords. One thing that struck me about this training bit, was thinking about like, it was, it felt like there was like a twofold thing with uh, George putting this bit in there. Like was one, it a promise of Jamie learning. And then the thought that, you know, he's gonna regain his skills or to the fact that he does give up his gift at the end of it. Is it, it could go completely the other way. And like, is he accepting that? No. <laughs> well, no, I know it's a good it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's the most George thing ever to have Jamie train with his left hand but like suck. You know, cuz if he's just I mean, I I hate that we we're going to talk about the show, but I mean, the show it didn't actually ever matter if Jamie had a right hand or not, and it feels like him just becoming really good with his left hand sort of makes his whole maiming not matter quite so much. Yeah. In a sense. I I mean, I'm kind of of two minds on it. I mean, you've got George who in this series, he has Corrin Halfhand, who who, Corrin Halfhand, who's famous for switching sword hands and being better. Um, And isn't there someone else? There was someone else that was Donald Noy. Yeah. Who has only one hand. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, one arm, but well, I don't think he's a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I get that five finger discount without the fingers. 
I, don't make fun of Davos being a smuggler. I think, though, like the fact that he does keep up at it gives me some hope that he is going to regain, you know, some of his that, abilities, I think. That's what I think, because he, he trains so much through Feast, and it's not like a background thing. I mean, it's very much an ongoing thing. It's clearly going somewhere. Um, not that George probably knew this when he maimed Jamie, but um, I, I always come back to the fact that I had a discussion on um, the Song of Ice and Fire Reddit one time with someone who was a, um, a fencer with long swords. And he told me that most people train with both hands. Um, he said, if nothing else, that make sure you don't um, have one <laughs> One, one arm get super beefy because you're always doing all the work with it. Hmm. And so he said, he, door now. <laughs> I, but he said, he said, you know, I'm almost as good with my left as I am with my right um, oh. because of that, because you always train with both. So Darn I it. don't know. And we don't have Ian on to confirm she's our like yeah. resident fencer. <laughs> this guy actually did only fight with his left hand for like a year or so. And he was like, I ended up just as good with the left wow. as I had been with the right. And if George knew that that was something that fencers do, though, is the question. I don't know. I could see him totally working that into the story. Yeah, I think it will get good enough. He will get good enough with his left hand for it to matter in the battle against the others. For him to be good enough to like fight and for it to mean something when we get to that point good point and let's when face it he's with, still well. going to be better than like your average person if he keeps up with the training even with yeah. his offhand yeah definitely so following on that we actually hear in the same scene Kevin mentions um, to Jamie about um, Tywin giving him um, Oathkeeper I don't know that they come out and say that that's what happened um, Jamie clearly feels like Tywin is making fun of him <laughs> by giving him this sword. And Kevin's like, no, no, this is a peace offering. Um, I kind of, I kind of like thought about it as I was reading this. This is, this is actually set up for probably what the Kevin and, and Jamie dynamic is going to be in feast because Jamie gets very snippy with Kevin here. Um, and clearly Kevin is, is um, Tywin's right hand man, as far as, you know, it's funny how much set up like the first page of this chapter is like just set up for feast. You know, like all of the attainers and everything that Tom and is signing are completely set up for Jamie's feast plot. And it's just like, dude, you had it all here. How come it took you so long to get the book out? <laughs> like you wrote half the book. You had the plot. You did the work uh, in Storm. Yeah. So Jamie leaves uh, Marin Trant to guard Tommen. <laughs> he just leaves because he's bored, pretty much the reason. Um, and he's on his way to White Sword Tower, but um, as he's headed there, he comes across um, Steel Shanks Walton, who escorted he and Brienne back to King's Landing. And Steel Shanks is about to escort um, a fake Arya north. And Jamie very quickly realizes that this is not Arya Stark, although he kind of had an idea. Before this, I think he kind of knew from what Ruth said and from what Tywin said a couple chapters ago as well that there was something weird about it. Um, it's always so sad to see Jane, though. She's clearly so scared. Say, how sad was it reading this? And like you can tell that she's been so coached. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And like her dead eyes and just yeah, I mean. But you know, I just want to point out that it's. What was that? Is this our first appearance since? The first book? Like, have we seen her since then? 
I don't know that we've actually seen her. I think she's referred to maybe in Clash. Yeah. Yeah, because I think we we get Sansa remembering when they took her, you know, because she was when Ned was, when, like, Ned's guards were killed. She was with Sansa, I think, in, and, you know, obviously Jane's father was killed. And then they take her away and Sansa doesn't see her again. Um, yeah. Finally, oh, God, there, all the time to realize what's uh, about to happen. Yeah. So uh, we go we go past this point and um, oh my God, this business. Then we get into this thing about Gregor Clegane and <laughs> it was <it's>, so good. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I was so good. Like I was talking about his. Oh, I'll let you go and I'll go. <laughs> No, well, it's it's so gross because apparently Tywin has like commanded Pycelle to make sure that Gregor lives, but he's apparently just screaming like loud enough for the whole castle to hear all the time. What I love, um, though, it's like Tywin's thinking about the optics of everything. He's like, well, we have to like make it appear as though we're delivering justice, so you have to make sure he lives so that we can yeah, kill him. Yeah, make sure he lives. Yeah, to cut off his head again <laughs> to make the Martells happy. <laughs> it's just. Uh, and then like they describe the wounds as being like festering and pus and there's like nothing you can do to heal it and then, like even the leeches are dying that they stick onto him his veins I love are how happy black. this makes you <laughs> Lot loves this I do <laughs> well it's not just the leeches the maggots won't even touch it apparently maggots won't even touch um Gregor's dying flesh because obviously Oberyn poisoned him with something really, really horrific. Um, Anyway. (laughs) So speaking of gross things, then Jamie gets back to White Sword Tower. (laughs) (laughs) And he finds Cersei in his room, which first let's just start off with the fact, like how risky is it for her to just be in his room like this? Well, I mean, if it were, you know, your sister, it shouldn't be weird. Like it's only weird because they're fucking like that. Yeah, but like you know? the rumors are out there. Like everybody knows what Stannis has sent. I mean, Stannis sent these letters all over the country. Like the whole of Westeros knows about this rumor at this point. Maybe she's hoping the ones with her in the kettle blacks will like trump this one. <laughs> but wouldn't it be weirder if she's they there just for? didn't hang out? You know, like then you're sort of saying that it's true if you're you know avoiding each other. I mean, in public, he could, like, make those appearances. But, yeah, I think it is a bit, uh, I don't know. Adding well, she's fuel desperate, to the fire. obviously, yeah. too. I mean, she clearly is desperate. Well, we knew from the last chapter that she's been avoiding him. Um, she won't She won't let him be alone with her. Like, she clearly is not happy with him at this point. And then suddenly she shows up here. So, um, I have a question. What's grosser? Cersei's like coming on to Jamie so hard or Gregor Clegane's festering wounds? <laughs> festering wounds. <laughs> Cersei. <laughs> the jury's still out for me. Yeah. Okay. So we, we have Cersei and she has many things to complain about. Um, Tywin has apparently like uh, kicked her off the small council. It seems like I'm not really sure how he pulls. I don't know why she lets him do this. I mean, she's still technically the regent. Um, 
and he's planning to send her back to Casterly Rock. He wants to keep Tommen away from her, which we kind of knew because um, Tywin already told Jamie that that he wanted. Actually, Tywin wanted Jamie to take Tommen back to Casterly Rock, as I recall. Um, and um, they're planning, of course, to marry Tommen to Marjorie, which is what she's really most mm-hmm. upset about. Um, and she asks Jamie to help her, and she's like, "This is your kid. You you have to to help me solve this." Um, which it seems so funny how she kind of pulls out that they are his kids when she, when it's handy and then she doesn't like it the rest of the time. Um, so Jamie's like, well, you never let me be a father to them. And, um, they kind of start to, I don't know. This is a very combative conversation. How do how do you guys read? I mean, like does does Jamie start off like entertaining what she's saying, or is he just like not into it the whole time? There's not a lot to go on to begin with. I just think he's kind of horny in the beginning, so I think he's half listening to her. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) well, I also think like he. I don't. I mean, it's sort of like he doesn't. He doesn't. He sort of doesn't care almost at this point. Like, I think he's really fed up with her. And if she would (laughs) have, well, yeah. And I mean, if she would have come in, you know, I mean, actually, this shows what a bad strategist Cersei is. Because if she would have come in with sex first and then demands, I feel like she might have gotten her way. But she comes in, you know, first asking for a bunch of stuff when we know, you know, Jamie's been thinking how. You know, she thinking about like kind of how selfish she is in the relationship and, you know, she goes, she's acting probably the same way that she's always acted towards That's him. And because she doesn't, say. yeah, she doesn't get that he's changed. Yes. Yeah, so she MO. hasn't changed her tactics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same. Yeah. I feel like he's already like not disposed to help her, but yes, he is clearly horny because <laughs> <laughs> he's Jamie. Yeah. Um <laughs> So we get we get this as they kind of get into um, Robert's death, and I love how he knows that Cersei killed Robert. Has he th- had this thought before, and I missed it, or I don't recall him having this thought. I don't recall it at all. How does he know? I don't even know how he knows. What did we miss? I'm trying to yeah, think. He shouldn't know because he hasn't talked to Tyrion, Mm-mm. and. You know, he hasn't talked to Lancel as far as we know. So unless, you know, she probably just talked about killing him so much that, (laughs) you know, maybe that's it. Maybe she had the plan. Maybe she'd always had that as her backup plan to kill him while he was hunting. Maybe Jamie just heard it and knew, oh, she finally did it. She finally went through with it. (laughs) (laughs) She finally got the job done. So anyway, we get this great line from Jamie. Um when they're they're talking about this and he says I'm not ashamed of loving you only the things I've done to hide it that boy at Winterfell and they kind of get into Bran um, being defenestrated I guess um, and of course you know Jamie works this around because George of course is wrapping up this silly MacGuffin about the assassin who was sent to kill Bran Jamie kind of works it around to figure out that Joffrey overheard Robert saying that it would be a mercy to kill Bran and that it was Joffrey who sent um, the footpad back to kill Bran. This is, I have to say, this is like my least favorite plot thread of George's. Like, well, maybe maybe it's slightly, slightly better than Valonqar, but... It really reeked of retcon, did it not? 
Uh, no, I don't. I it, it, I don't think this is what he originally intended to do. Do you, Devin? No, I don't at all. I don't, I don't either. He originally intended for it to be Joffrey just overhearing Robert saying something about it and then taking it into his own hands to send someone to kill Bran. For one, Joffrey's not that smart. Um, to send like the perfect person, like a, but then gives him a dagger to use as well. I just I don't. Well, and it's Littlefinger's it. dagger. Little so I mean, dagger, yeah. we know, and we know little. We know in Game of Thrones, Littlefinger basically was the instigator for killing Ned. So I think that there was some extended little finger Joffrey like interactions that we didn't see that But how when, when little finger didn't go north with them and clearly Joffrey would have had to do this well before they got back to King's Landing. Yeah, that's true. This is my thing though. I, it just doesn't hold up to much scrutiny. I, I really doesn't. It's it's I I mean God, it's weak. Was it originally supposed to be Jamie? Is that what it is? Is that what the original thing was? It was it was he originally going to have it be Jamie, and then oh. got? I don't think so because he seeds he seeds Game of Thrones even with so much of oh Jamie there you know Jamie might secretly not be horrible you know I can't see that either because that's like I know that he switched Jamie's like story arc and whatever but it's so uncharacteristic of Jamie like sneaking in to assassinate somebody it just mm. i mean it might have i mean it's it feels more like cersei like something she would do frankly than joffrey but i think maybe he didn't want to make it cersei because he you know didn't you know she's already pretty stereotypical you know evil queen and maybe didn't want to like too heavy lay that at her feet (laughs) yeah yeah I could see her trying to set up Tyrion for it too as well like that the setup part kind of makes sense yeah. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, it would, I, actually, I think it would have made more sense though if it were Cersei. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, anyway, he did it. <laughs> this is part of the story at this point. There's nothing to be done about it. So um, then Cersei asked Jamie again about, you know, please help me get Tommen away from Tywin, and and um, she says. Um, Tywin will do what Jamie wants if Jamie will just leave the King's Guard. Um, which, uh, that's like a uh, in the sleeve kind of thing, right? Well, we're just so totally coming full circle here with she, she, she kind of seduced him into joining the King's Guard to begin with, and now she's you know she's she's about to try to blow him here, and she's about to try to seduce him right out of the out king's guard. The king's guard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Away. <laughs> it's a it's it's a very full circle moment um, for them. Um, and I mean, he's pretty adamant that he is not. You know, he's not quitting. He is. Yeah, actually, I was going to read this so. <sighs> after she starts to try to undo the laces on his breeches. Uh, Jamie felt himself responding, no, he said, not here. They had never done it in White Sword Tower, much less in the Lord Commander's chambers. Cersei, this is not the place. You took me in the sept. This is no different. She drew out his cock and bent her head over it. Oh, my God. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie pushed her away with the stump of his right hand. No, not here, I said. He forced himself to stand. For an instant, he could see confusion in her bright green eyes. 
and fear as well. Then rage replaced it. Cersei gathered herself together, got to her feet, straightened her skirts. Was it your hand they hacked off in Harrenhal or your manhood? As she shook her head, her hair tumbled around her bare white shoulders. I was a fool to come. You lacked the courage to avenge Joffrey. Why would I think you'd protect Tommen? Tell me, if the imp had killed all three of your children, would that have made you wrath? Tyrion is not going to harm Tommen or Marcella. I am still not certain he killed Joffrey. Her mouth twisted in anger. How can you say that after all his threats? Threats mean nothing. He swears he did not do it. Oh, he swears. Is that it? And dwarfs don't lie. Is that what you think? Not to me. No more than you would. You great golden fool. He's lied to you a thousand times, and so have I. She bound up her hair again and scooped up the hairnet from the bedpost where she'd hung it. Think what you will. The little monster is in a black cell, and soon Sir Illyn will have his head off. Perhaps you'd like it for a keepsake. She glanced at the pillow. He can watch over you as you sleep, alone in that cold white bed, until his eyes rot out, that is. You had best go, Cersei. You're making me angry. (laughs) Oh, an angry cripple. How terrifying. She laughed. A pity Lord Tywin Lannister never had a son. I could have been the heir he wanted, but I lacked the cock. And speaking of such, best tuck yours away, brother. It looks rather sad and small, hanging from your breeches like that. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) How can you you allegedly read these books and read the scene and then portray it on the show as it was portrayed? Like, how (laughs) could you decide that that was a better thing to do than, like, this scene? I mean, how much would Lena Headey have killed this scene? Uh, Honestly, they got, like, a sentence or two, and it's like, Jamie and Cersei initiate sex, and that's all, that's that's where they stopped. (laughs) And, like, just all of the, you know, gosh, I mean, it's just, like, how quickly her mask drops, you know? Like, I mean, immediately. And we see how, like, insincere she is. Well, that's it. I mean, like, it's just, it is like a mask dropping. It's like, okay, oh, you're really not going to help? Like, you're actually really not going to help me? Well, then look at everything I've been sitting on waiting to throw your way. <laughs> I mean, like, right, well, then fuck you. That's like, I mean, and this is a Cersei I can get behind. I mean, I still don't like her, but I enjoy this this character. I enjoy. Yeah, she's fun <laughs> to watch, for sure. Right. I think what's so sad about this, though, is like, the the whole part where she calls him like a great golden fool and you know it's right after he says you know well he he'd never lie to me and it just shows you how much Jamie trusts those that he loves that he's willing to have that kind of faith in them and then she's just being a complete bitch well I mean and at, at this point I don't think that Tyrion has lied to him no yeah well I mean not that we know about right. And I mean, the lie that he tells them him is completely out of, you know, it's it's out of the truth that Jamie tells him. You know, like it's completely understandable why that's happening. Oh so, yeah. So if you think of Jamie recalling this combative uh, kind of conversation with his sister, you can imagine how it would make him question: Who is lying? Is it Tyrion? Is it Cersei? Yeah. I mean, he should pretty much know it's Cersei. I mean, and he yeah, does, but he doesn't. He still doesn't. Like here, he's like saying, "Well, Tyrion would never lie to me, and neither, no more than you would." And like clearly, right. he doesn't know her. He, I mean, I think you know, 
we see who he trusts, though, and in, in at the end of the book, like we kind of see who has, you know, who he defies and who he trusts, and it, and you know, he believes, you know, he believes the truth that Tyrion tells him, and he kind of doesn't believe the truth or the lies that Tyrion tells him. Like he kind of, he kind of gets that right, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Susses it out. So. <laughs> How do people not realize that they're actually broken up in the books? I don't understand when there are scenes like this. Um, it's because they didn't read the books and they just pay attention exactly. to him like throwing the white book onto the floor and then fucking right. his sister. They, they watched a TV show and read a, they read a Tumblr. Like <laughs> so Jamie, um, after after Cersei goes, um, Jamie uh, he actually has another really great line. Well, it's a thought that he goes. He thinks. Um, I've lost a hand, a father, a son, a sister, and a lover, and soon enough I will lose a brother. And yet they keep telling me House Lannister won this war, which is like, just sums up how his whole life is basically falling apart. Yeah, it's a great um, line. So Jamie uh, sends uh, Boris Blunt to get Loras and tells him to tell Loras to bring, um, to bring Brienne to him. Um, and... It seems to take a long time, so I don't know. Are we? Are, is it? Is it night by the time Loras gets there with Brienne? It's hard to tell. Several hours. Oh, I kind of saw it as like end of the day. Maybe that's it. Loras Blunt's just fucking around, like because he's pissed off. Loras Blunt hates him. Oh my like, God. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I'll get to it when I get to it. <laughs> I'm going to this inn first. <laughs> so Loras comes with Brienne and says. Um, Basically, that he kind of believes her about the shadow business now because um, there's also, which I think Jamie might have mentioned in the last chapter, the the business about um, Courtney Penrose dying um, strangely when Stannis wanted him to die. So basically, Loras is buying that Stannis did some witchcraft to to kill Renly, um, and then. Jamie tells Loras to go and to leave Brienne with him. And lot, um, do you want to sure. do you want to take the intro of the Oathkeeper scene for us? Sure, do. Okay. The wench looked as ugly and awkward as ever. He decided when Tyrell left them, someone had dressed her in a woman's clothes again. But this dress fit much better than that hideous pink rag the goat had made her wear. Blue is a good color on you, my lady. Jamie observed. It goes well with your eyes. She does have astonishing eyes. Brienne glanced down at herself, flustered. Septa Donnie patted out the bodice to give it that shape. She said you sent me her to me. She lingered by the door as if she meant to flee at any second. You look different, he managed to half-smile. More meat on the ribs and fewer lice in the, my hair, that's all. The stump's the same. Close the door and come here. She did as he bid her. The white cloak... Is new, but I'm sure I'll soil it soon enough. That wasn't, I was a, I was about to say that it becomes you. She came closer, hesitant. Jamie, did you mean what you told Sir Loras about how King Renly and the shadow? Jamie shrugged. I would have killed Renly myself if we'd met in battle. What do I care who cut his throat? You said I had honor. I'm the bloody Kingslayer, remember? When I say you have honor, that's like a whore vouchsafing your maidenhood. He leaned back and looked up at her. Steel Shankson is on his way back north to deliver Arya Stark to Roose Bolton. You gave her to him? She cried, dismayed. 
You swore an oath to Lady Catelyn with a sword at my throat, but never mind. Lady Catelyn's dead. I could not give her back her daughters, even if I had them. And the girl my father sent with steel shanks was not Arya Stark. Not Arya Stark. You heard me. My lord father found some skinny northern girl, more or less the same age, with more or less the same coloring. He dressed her up in white and gray, gave her a silver wolf to pin her cloak, and sent her off to wed Bolton's bastard. He lifted his stump to point at her. I wanted to tell you that before you went galloping off to rescue her and got yourself killed for no good purpose. You're not half bad with a sword, but you're not good enough to make on take on 200 men by yourself oh god these two <laughs> you're the part though with like the bodice like it's so oh my perfectly like awkward teenage interaction like what girl talks about her chest like <laughs> <laughs> uh who says that? Yeah, this dress makes my boobs look like that. Uh, somebody padded it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Next time someone compliments your dress, just start talking about your bra. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's really just this well, one bra. bra. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's basically the equivalent. <laughs> it's my shapewear. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Spanx. It's the Spanx. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's like the Midwestern equivalent of like, you know, oh, I love your dress. Who was on sale? <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> like, that's probably what she should have said. <laughs> I got it for free. It's awesome. Uh, God, I love this. I love, too, how she, he brings up again, like she mentions the white cloak. And like, how many times has he brought this up that she said that he soiled that white cloak? So many times. Like, he has never forgotten that insult. Hmm. He's been holding on to it the whole damn book. He just like well, is I mean, like that's his, you know, that's his secret thing that he's holding on to is that, you know, he he secretly is the only one of that king's guard who didn't soil their cloak. You know, I mean, I don't think he actually, I mean, he's too much in hero worship of the rest of of Ares King's guard to really think that, but somewhere inside of him, he you know, he knows. He knows that he did better than any of them did. And he's upset that she thinks otherwise. Yeah. I mean, it's like that, but that's also the thing I think he's most upset with about everyone, you know, like that the whole, you know, the whole world thought that what, you know, these alleged heroes did was appropriate Hmm. or didn't do rather. Hmm. I think it's great about it and like as it continues on with this chapter is it kind of it's a perfect illustration of what you're always bringing up Chicky that like every time um, Bran like suspects uh, the worst in Jamie, it just cuts him so deeply that he like goes out and uh, lashes out at her like immediately because he wants so badly for her to respect him. Well and with this you know it's the way that I read this, you know, we we know that Jamie has gone to great trouble and effort to um, kit Brian out for this, you know, quest or mission that he's sending her on. He's it's not just Oathkeeper. He's you know got her horse and got her a letter from Tommen and he's got her some armor and he's got her money. You know, like he he's he's, he's been he's shopping actually, like that. 
Yeah. Well, he's set up a whole thing. He has set up a whole thing and he didn't just like set up this whole surprise of the sword and everything. Like he's also leading her in this conversation. He more than once wants her to make the wrong assumption about him as this scene goes on. Um, He leads her to it like he did with the Arya Stark thing because he very deliberately, you know, says, hey, they're taking Arya Stark north, knowing she's going to assume that it's something bad. She he he wants her to keep making those assumptions because he knows he's gonna pull out the surprise at the end, hmm. and he thinks, that, <laughs> he thinks that he thinks that he thinks the surprise is finally gonna be the thing that brings her around and makes her understand you know how what he what he actually is who uh, he actually is. They're both such teenagers. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, they're really really dumb. <laughs> And, you know, the whole time Brienne's just waiting for him to pull the carpet out from under her, you know? I mean. Of course, because they're both just the products right. of, you know, their upbringings. And the thing we didn't talk about is coming into this, uh, Jamie's mad at her because she assumed the worst when they got back to King's Landing and he had her arrested to protect her because of Loras accusing her of murdering Renly. And she's mad at him, of course, for having, you know, gone along with Loras and had her arrested when she's like, you should know I didn't do that. Um, So they're kind of half mad at each other (laughs) going into this, which is a good thing to remember. Hmm. Um, So anyway, after the bit about um, Arya, um, Brienne is like, well, Roos is going to be really pissed about this fake Arya. And Jamie's like, no, Roos knows. Um, everybody knows. And Brienne's like, why are you telling me this? She's like, this is betraying your father to tell me that this is a fake Arya um, that they're sending north. Um, and so now, Guile, do you want to read the rest of the scene for us? Sure. I had to get into character here. <laughs> okay. The hand secrets, he thought. I no longer have a father. I pay my debts like every good little lion. I did promise Lady Stark her daughters, and one of them is still alive. My brother may know where she is, but if so, he isn't saying. Cersei is convinced that Sansa helped him murder Joffrey. The wench's mouth got stubborn. I will not believe that gentle girl a poisoner. Lady Catelyn said that she had a loving heart. It was your brother. There was a trial, Sir Loras said. Two trials, actually. Words and swords both failed him. A bloody mess. Did you watch from your window? My cell faces the sea. I heard the shouting, though. Prince Oberyn of Dorne is dead. Sir Sir Gregor Clegane lies dying. And Tyrion stands condemned before the eyes of gods and men. They're keeping keeping him in a black cell till they kill him. Brienne looked at him. You do not believe he did it. Jamie gave her a hard smile. See, wench, we know each other too well. Tyrion's wanted to be me since he took his first step, but he'd never follow me in Kingslaying. Sansa Stark killed Joffrey. My brother's kept silent to protect her. He gets these fits of gallantry from time to time. The last one cost him a nose. This time will mean his head. No, Brienne said. It was not my lady's daughter. It could not have been her. There's the stubborn, stupid wench that I remember. She reddened. My name is Brienne of Tarth, Jamie sighed. I have a gift for you. He reached down under the Lord Commander's chair and brought it out, wrapped in folds of crimson velvet. Brienne approached as if the bundle was like to bite her, reached out a huge freckled hand and flipped back a fold of cloth. Rubies glimmered in the light. She picked the treasure up gingerly, curled her fingers around the leather grip, and slowly slowly slid the sword free of its scabbard. Blood and black, the ripples shone. A finger of reflected light ran red along the edge. 
Is this Valerian steel? I have never seen such colors. Nor I. There was a time that I would have given my right hand to wield a sword like that. Now it appears I have, so the blade is wasted on me. Take it. Before she could think to refuse, he went on. A sword so fine must bear a name. It would please me if you would call this one Oathkeeper. One more thing. The blade comes with a price. Her face darkened. I told you I will never serve such foul creatures as us. Yes, I recall. Hear me out, Brienne. Both of us swore oaths concerning Sansa Stark. Cersei means to see that the girl is found and killed wherever she has gone to ground. Brienne's homely face twisted in fury. If you believe that I would harm my lady's daughter for a sword, you... Just listen, he snapped, angered by her assumptions. I want you to find Sansa first and get her somewhere safe. How else are the two of us going to make good our stupid vows to your precious dead Lady Catelyn? The wench blinked. I, I thought, I know what you thought. Suddenly, Jamie was sick of the sight of her. She bleeds like a bloody sheep. When Ned Stark died, his great sword was given to the king's justice, he told her. But my father felt that such a fine blade was wasted on a mere headsman. He gave Sir Illyn a new sword and had ice melted down and reforged. There is enough metal for two new blades. You're holding one. So you'll be defending Ned Stark's daughter with Ned Stark's own steel, if that makes any difference to you. Sir, I, I owe you an a... She cut her off. Take the bloody sword and go before I change my mind. There's a bay mare in the stables as homely as you are, but somewhat better trained. Chase after steel shanks, search for Sansa, or ride home to your Isle of Sapphires. It's not to me. I don't want to look at you anymore. Jamie, Kingslayer, he reminded her. Best use that sword to clean the wax out of your ears, wench. We're done. Stubbornly, she persisted. Joffrey was her, my king. Leave it at that. You say Sansa killed him. Why protect her? Because Joff was no more to me than a squirt of seed in Cersei's cunt, and because he deserved to die. I've made kings and unmade them. Sansa Stark is my last chance for honor, Jamie smiled thinly. Besides, Kingslayer should band together. Are you ever going to go? Her big hand wrapped tight around Oathkeeper. I will, and I will find the girl and keep her safe, for her lady mother's sake, and for yours. She bowed stiffly, whirled, and went. God, I hate George. (laughs) (laughs) God. There is so much tension between these two just dummies. I love that it's just like a flurry of them not understanding their own emotions. <laughs> I know. Well, I, like he, he gives her Oathkeeper and, and like he's clearly got this whole thing cooked up about the name, which clearly he'd thought about way ahead of time. Like he wanted to like, you know, shock her like, oh, I want to call it Oathkeeper. Ha ha. I'm way better than you think I am. And then like, you know, she still thinks he's even worse than he thought she would think that he was, where she's like, oh, if you think that I'm going to accept this sword and go kill Sansa. And he's like, well, that's obviously not what I'm doing. And that's where he finally breaks, you know, like up to this point, he's been pretty cool about it. He hasn't said anything about it because he's been leading her to make these bad assumptions. But then she makes like one bad assumption too far. And he's like, damn it, it didn't work. Like, <laughs> It's like he rehearsed the whole conversation. He in did. His head. And yeah, I mean, like he might as well have written down, you know, somewhere he might actually, I mean, if, I guess if he hadn't <laughs> lost his hand, he would have literally written down what he was going to say. He really needed to like, this would have been so much better via email. Oh my God. 
Not just really write the her a letter. That was, right. Like, it's not the tone that was the problem here. It was just neither of you could give each other, you know, neither of you could let each other finish a thought. I like the idea of him, though, like rehearsing this whole conversation <laughs> with her and this the, the blocking of leading up to giving her this present and the, the fact that we're dealing with that Cersei was just there and he so like adamantly said, no, not here. You know, like this is not this is not the place. He's he's really built it up in his mind that this is, you know, him doing a knightly thing, mm-hmm. an honorable thing. And there's Cersei trying to all like besmirch it (laughs) well and he kind of compartmentalizes himself too like he is you know the lord you know he is in lord commander mode here well i mean not really actually i mean he's in jamie mode i guess the man he Um, wants to be yeah yeah because i mean obviously as lord commander he's committing treason here basically he sure is yeah Super treat, like super treason. Although I feel like if he just explained it to Tom and Tom would be like, okay, let me get my stamp. <laughs> right, I'll get my Tom stamp. Tom would I'll- be okay with it, but no one right. else would. Right, no one else would, but Tom would. Well, as we learn the later, he does. He does get behind it because he gives gives a letter for Brienne to take out. Well, her. I mean, mm-hmm. he just stamps it. Well, and I always think that must be what Jamie's thinking of when he tries to tell Cersei, "You idiot! You just trained him to just." <laughs> you know, sign anything you put in front of him. Cause Jamie literally did put something in front of him that he just right. signed. And didn't yeah. Wait. yeah. And I mean, that probably is going to come back sometime in wins too, where Tommen's just going to be signing shit because, you know, it's in front of him. I mean, you know, sign, for sure. Jamie out of the Kings guard, probably maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, who knows, but, and it's like, yeah, you're right. Tommen's the only person that would, I mean, cause the Tyrells would not be, <laughs> would not be cool with this. Like they certainly don't want Sansa, you know, they kind of want Sansa gone so that there's, you know, no possibility anyone's going to get any ideas about investigating this further. You know, they have, they very much would like Tyrion dead and Sansa gone. Tywin on the other hand, you know, I feel like, you know, Sansa, well, actually they don't really give a shit right now. I mean, they already threw him at the Bolton, so I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's no one that would want Sansa alive at this point in King's Landing. Varys, maybe. <laughs> what were you going to say, Devin? That anyone can uh, read a scene like this between these two and not realize what is going on with their feelings towards one another and everything is just beyond me. I just don't get it. I don't understand how you can read all every, particularly if you've read everything that's happened up until now between the two and then read this scene and you just can't see what's happening. What the fuck are you reading? (laughs) Well, and how you can't read this entire chapter and, and, and be, and be more interested in a story that George isn't telling, you know, like the, the dissolution of the Jamie Cersei relationship is really fun and interesting and then this relationship with Brienne is really interesting and like how do you not how do you not like get wrapped up in that like what's wrong with you frankly I don't know if Brienne was written as like a super hot babe this wouldn't even be a question no for anyone to still be into twin cest at this point is just fucking ridiculous great (laughs) 
Agreed. And I, I feel like, too, there's something about visually reading it. I mean, like, I realize not everybody can visually read it, but if you just see, like, the amount of ellipses and, and like, M dashes that, that George uses oh, yeah. in the dialogue between them, he does not do it like this very often. He doesn't have, like, a two-person dialogue come out this way much. Like, it's very pointed that they are feeding off of snappy. what the other is saying and doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, frankly, I mean, you see it in Jamie and Tyrion's, like, very limited interactions in the book. It's the same the same kind of the same kind of snappy rhythm between the two of them. Like yeah. The characters that have chemistry for for whatever reason and no I'm not shipping Jamie and Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh god, this is so good. And the coolest thing about this scene is I mean there's been sexual tension between the two of them. There has been, you know, a weird tension. But this is the first scene where you really start to see some romantic tension because it opens up with them actually complimenting one another on the way that they look. <laughs> and, um, it, and yeah, all of that symbolism with the crimson folds and like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't you embarrassed when you were writing this? Yeah. Should have been. I was just thinking this <laughs> is what the sex scene needs to read like. <laughs> oh, God. If only. More of this, less fat pink mask yeah <laughs> more crimson <Ugh>. folds <laughs> so we close this chapter out with jamie um sitting down in front of the the white book and he um he writes out uh his own most recent history after where um what what barristan had written let let off and um he writes uh i love how he describes this too he says he wrote in an awkward hand that might have done credit to a six-year-old being taught his letters, his first letters by a maester. Um, defeated in the Whispering Wood by the young wolf Rob Stark during the War of the Five Kings. Held captive at River Run and ransomed for a promise unfulfilled. Captured again by the brave companions and maimed at the word of Vargo Hote, their captain, losing his sword hand to the blade of Zalo the Fat. <laughs> Returned safely to King's Landing by Brienne, the maid of Tarth. When he was done, no more than three quarters of his page still remained to be filled. Between the golden lion on the crimson shield on top and the white blank shield at the bottom. Sir Gerald Hightower had begun his, his history and Sir Barristan Selmy had continued it. But the rest, Jamie Lannister would need to write for himself. He could write whatever he chose henceforth. Whatever he chose. Um, and how do you read this and interpret the character as helplessly addicted as, you know, his character arc is that he's helplessly addicted and will turn on a dime for no apparent purpose. Like Redemption arc you, fail. Well, how do you not get that that is, you know, that whatever he chose and, you know, honestly, from this point forward, that is, it's, it is his choices. And like, I just, if I find it baffling that it this kid, like, I could understand fucking up some of these characters, but my God, when you completely 180 fuck up, perhaps like the most interesting character in this entire saga, it's like, what are, what's wrong? Again, what and is the most interesting love story in this right, saga? Like, like, what, yeah, what's wrong with you? And, you know, at what point did you, I mean, did you stop reading at the Red Wedding? Like literally, you just threw the book and like stopped because that's what it. That's what it seems like to me is. And then I, I don't even know. It's it's baffling to me. Like those are the lines that I mean, 
it's funny, like through this re, you know, it's a Jamie Brienne reread, but I feel like much more connected to the individual characters rather than their relationship. This reread through, and you know, like this is the Jamie chapter. Like I don't, but back when we did our favorite chapter reads, like this was not my favorite chapter. It's totally my favorite chapter now because this is, you know, this is the essential Jamie. Like this last paragraph, like that's him. Like that's the guy I'm rooting for. I mean, agreed. And I just love how like self-deprecating he is with what he writes for himself too. Like he just basically makes fun of himself. Well, even just just putting Zolo the fat in there. Yeah. Yeah, Even Vargo Hote. I mean, like, you know, this is after he hears what has happened to Vargo. Yeah. And he puts him in. Like, you know, it's just so Jamie. I don't know how people don't love Jamie Lannister. Yeah. You know, they they lack yeah. sense of humor. I really believe that. <laughs> I don't Jamie, know. You're just you don't have a sense of humor. I think you're jealous too, because you know, like, <laughs> oh, he's good looking and you know, rich, and why should he also have like a good personality and you know, be like on a good arc? Like, no, that's not fair. You know. <laughs> yeah. God, this magnificent bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody else have anything to say about this chapter? Well, we do have quite a bit of mail, as you can imagine. All right, let's do it. Okay. So um, our first one is from this one I'm going to read first because I feel like it has like a lot of um, I can there's a lot of action to it. Okay, so this is from an email from Jenner who says, hey, all. I really wanted to write you guys and tell you how much I've fallen in love with your podcast over the last few months. The story of how I found your podcast in the midst of my season eight despair is pretty amusing, so I thought I'd share and you guys might have a laugh. I work as an assistant manager, and my general manager's name is Brad. Brad and I both love Game of Thrones, along with most of our office. But we are the only ones who have a Song of Ice and Fire, who have read a Song of Ice and Fire, so naturally we tended to gravitate toward each other when discussing the series. Then I found his favorite house, and storylines were about the Greyjoys and the Iron Islands. Yep, slutty pirates and murderers. Then I outed myself as a Lannister stan, and our office space basically became the Riverlands with how it devolved into <laughs> chaos around us as season 8 premiere got closer and closer. We debated a lot of things, including Greyjoys versus Lannisters. Who is the better Grey House? At the, at the quarterly earnings meeting, how useless is your on Greyjoy? Um, there's no way Arya is stealing Jamie's face. Uh, <laughs> this all led to a great and terrible Eve of Season 8 throwdown cage match. Jamie versus Theon, who has the better redemption arc? In which Brad tried to explain to me why Jamie could never be redeemed and lost my and I lost my mind and quoted a Song of Ice and Fire text at him like a Bible camp counselor quoting the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> As the resident book snob, Brad and I's Monday post show discussions were in large agreement that this season was a train wreck. However, post eight oh three, me. Brad, I'm sorry about Theon. That was a nonsensical way for him to go. But at least he got to die a hero's death. Brad. I feel like it's fitting for him to die defending Winterfell. Those circumstances were just utter crap. Post 805. Brad. So, uh, how'd you feel about your boy last night? Smug smirk. (laughs) Me. That wasn't Jamie fucking Lannister. And this is a hill I will die upon. (laughs) I will never forgive the show for giving Brad that ammunition. 
Brad and I continue to discuss the ending for a while before beginning to sound like a broken record while the rest of the office and the world have moved on. Thus, I found solace on the internet and found your podcast. What a pleasant surprise that I found a Jamie and Brienne-centered podcast to cleanse myself with you, and you're about to do a reread. I'm currently postponing rereading Dance after finishing the first four by listening to your podcast. I've gone back and listened to almost all of your episodes, excluding the show ones. It's still too fresh. I love the intelligent discussions, and the drunk cast had me laughing hysterically on my commutes despite Orlando traffic. Thank you for doing what you do. Here's hoping to wins before 2023, and they leave a PS. PS, I actually really like the Ananasha, but I will not stand for people trashing my favorite human disaster, Jamie Lannister. So, <laughs> take that, Brad. <laughs> Brad. What's funny is, like, Brad is in italics for most of the message. <laughs> like, I felt like I did need to have a little energy to, um, to read that one. That was so, really well written. <laughs> so, we got an email from Shelby, who... Um, is responding to the questions in Jamie 7 um, and says, I heard that Tywin gave Tyrion his name to throw shade at Tyrion. There was a Lannister king named Tyrion who was known as a violent, abusive tyrant that ripped through women. I think he liked hurting women for sport. So the theory is that Tywin named Tyrion after that Lannister king as a reference to him ripping through Joanna while she gave birth to him. It's Tywin's way to constantly remind himself of the crime Tyrion supposedly committed when he was born, um, killing Tyr- Tywin's wife. So that would be like just horrible, well, but I that's mean, horrible, not. but totally up Tywin's alley. Yeah. So plausible. God, Tywin, just when I think you can't get worse. Right. Um, Nim writes in rereading these Jamie chapters is such a palate cleanser, especially since it's funny what, to see what was missed the first time around. It reminds you of the weird moments in his thought process. Like, really, Jamie, how could you want to throw Joffrey and Marcella together? Ew. <laughs> um, I can also never get enough of the sword-fucking scene, although I always did wonder, could this be the point where George fell in love with Brienne and decided to give her a POV? Um, I could only imagine whose POV got cut short or entirely to make room for Brienne's POV. Maybe that's why we didn't get Cleos. <laughs> Cleo's POV would have been like super fun for like one chapter. I don't know if I needed that. Um, (laughs) I feel like I know Cleo's without having a POV. (laughs) Um, And now that he's getting closer to King's Landing and Cersei, I always wondered what would have been the proper place at court for Brienne. I know he said City Guard afterwards as an alternative, um, but if he had given her a place, would it be one that suited her status as lady and heir to Tarth or one that suited her skill and true self? I mean, you know, Adam Marbrand is the head of the city guard, or the goal. You know, at the the head of the city guard, and he's an heir and a lord. So, actually, yeah. he might actually not. He might actually be the lord. I don't know if he's no. He's the heir. Is he the heir? Okay, so his father's mm-hmm. still around. So, I mean, his I think it's actually life. a pretty, you know, potentially a pretty prestigious position. Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, then it's not it's not a lifelong position by any means. Right, right. It's a good position for an heir, you know, keep them yeah. busy until they, you know, until there's, they... There's get, clearly some prestige involved in it. It's like Charles, like, you know, Prince Charles probably should have been doing this for a while, keep him busy. Um, <laughs> another email from Sarah who says, Hello, ladies and occasional gentlemen. Let me start by saying thank you so much for this podcast. It is honestly the highlight of my week, and I really appreciate a group of smart, funny women being smart and funny. After episode 804, 
of Game of Thrones aired, I was so depressed. I was sad at work, at home, even my family noticed, and I couldn't explain it to them because they've never watched the show or read the books. I didn't watch the rest of season eight because I just couldn't do it. Eventually, the sadness dulled, but it was still there. Then, I saw that you ladies were doing a reread of the book, so I thought I would read along. I was halfway down the first page of Jamie 1 from A Storm of Swords when I realized I was crying. These were the characters I love, who meant and mean so much to me, more than I can really articulate to people, and all the sadness just melted away. So thank you, thank you for doing the re-re-re-re-re-read of the books. It's been really good for me, and I hope it's been good for you, too. And um, Sarah, thank, or Sadie, I'm sorry. Sadie, Sarah, there's, there's two. <laughs> um, also signed up to be a Patreon, so thank you for that. Thank you. Oh, that was such a nice message. Yeah. And yes, it has been cathartic, at least for me. Yeah. We've got um, yeah, some anonymous. Oh, sorry. We've got some anonymous. Oh, I'm just saying it's been great, yeah. Are you guys ready for one particular? There's one particular not on Tumblr. There's a few I'm going to read, but this one I thought I thought a lot you would enjoy. Is this the rotting um, stump one? Yes, we already yes, did this one. Did that one <laughs> yes. Oh, I thought it was in a reaction to that one. I'm sorry. No, okay. we did it. Well, maybe but, it is. I don't okay. know. I did like it was just, ask. You think rotting stump is more like manure, gasoline, and actually smells kind of good. Yeah. We, you know what's funny yeah. is we wanted you guys to answer this question, though. I got two responses on Twitter, like on my personal. I think it would Twitter. smell too sweet, and so that would be disgusting. Whereas, like gasoline, like it's not sweet; it's just like I, I totally get the gasoline. Yeah, smell gasoline good. smells good. Chicky and I both agreed we'd like gasoline. Oh yeah, no, I've yeah. always liked the smell of gasoline. But I had like a couple of responses on my Twitter, and uh, not over it replied. That they went to New Zealand and it smelled strongly of sulfur and rotten egg. Uh, her husband couldn't stand it, uh, but she quite liked it. <laughs> and then, were they near a volcano? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, maybe it was a hot spring in New Zealand. Dad. <laughs> yeah, that's geothermal. That's why. Okay, <laughs> generally <laughs> said burnt stuff or burning things. I get that too. <laughs> I don't yeah, know about the rotten sure. egg sulfur smell, but yeah. so. So one summer, my nephew was working at a paper mill, and oh, he, God, he was working stink. a 3 to 11 shift. Oh, God. And he comes back, and I mean, paper mills are horrible, and like, I grew up oh, in paper mill towns, and, you yeah. know, they do smell pretty pungent. Um, but he comes in one night back from work, and he's like, there's this thing in the mill that smells so bad that I'll go buy it multiple times just to, like, <laughs> make my brain confirm that such a smell exists. <laughs> what smells bad in a paper mill? I can't even imagine what would register as bad in a paper mill know, other right? than just the present smell. That. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, so I always think of that with, with bad smells. Um, okay. We've got a few more Anons. Uh, we have another Anon on Tumblr who says, uh, since Jamie returned to King's Landing, he started to have some doubts about his perfect epic love with Cersei. He seems to recognize her manipulations and stand up to her. That being said, why does he ask her to marry him again when she comes to his quarters? Is he in denial about the state of their relationship? Is he testing her to confirm his suspicions that she that she values power above him? I think all of the above. I mean, he would totally yeah. marry her if she'd go along with it. But I agree. Um, yeah, I think he's. It's like I when, think he's pissed at her that whole time. I don't know. It's like early stages, right? Like when you're reconciling that, and a relationship might be ending. Maybe you're like doing everything you can or to yeah. hold on to whatever might be left. 
I'm guessing because I've never actually had to break up with anyone after a long time. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm, I've never had a, a huge long term. I mean, like, but even after just a few months, you kind of have, you know. Nah, man, I want it, that Band-Aid you off. Want it to be, <laughs> you also want it to be different. Like, oh, I wish, like, this would have worked. Yeah. But it's you like, know. you know. I have seen, you know, I mean, of course, you know, we've all covered that we're all very, very old. And I mean, like, I've seen people with very long-term terrible. marriages, you know, crumble. And it's like, it just doesn't end overnight. There's a lot of back and forth. And there's a lot of, you know, like, trying to make things work out, even though everyone else knows you're not going to be able to work it out. Right. It's like tipping over. It's like when there's something stuck in the vending machine and you're, like, rocking it back and forth. And, you know, like... <laughs> yes. It's like your persistence will pay right. off. It will pay off but, until but it probably doesn't. Probably not. Yeah. It's until like, you have I, to put another you know, quarter in to get that, you know, to get God, that stupid yeah. bag of popcorn or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, you guys have probably had this with friends or so, you know, where it's like, you know, they're like, we're going to do some counseling. And you're just like, uh huh. So yeah. like, we're just going to spend a year doing that and then still end up back where you are right now, but go for it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, they have to think about the children. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Clearly like that is like the last not a thing factor I heard. for these people. Yeah, not a factor here. Um so I think Katie Buttercup has an interesting question on Tumblr for us. Um would Jamie be capable of doing something bad in service of his love for Brienne? Like what? Um, absolutely. <laughs> yes. I mean, but define bad. Like like what putting Edmure's baby in a trebuchet? Yeah, I mean, I, yes. Or pushing yeah, Bran out a window. <laughs> it's like this is a, this is my read of Jamie's character. You know, I mean, like I've said this many times. This is why I, you know, yes, clearly George is writing Jamie a redemption arc. There's no question that that's in a literary sense what's going on. But I mean, like to me, Jamie never stops being exactly the same person. I mean, the Jamie that you have at the, you know, by the time you get to dance is the same Jamie that you had at the beginning of a Game of Thrones. I mean. He's always the same Jamie. <laughs> so, I mean, like, in the right circumstance, would he chuck a kid out a window again to save, like, Brienne? Yeah, I think he absolutely would. I mean, she would not be cool like it with it with like Cersei was. It would be a whole other situation mm-hmm. there. But, but I mean, um, imagine like what circumstances would require him to kill a child because of Brienne? Like, well, uh, you know, like. Leave it to George, though. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know, something. I know, but it's like <laughs> you know, a relationship with Brienne isn't going to, you know, there's maybe there's not the same kill danger Podrick. and scandal <gasps> of it, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he might kill Podrick, but is it bad? <laughs> that would no, be bad. I mean, How would that save be good? Brienne? Like, is it like would it be bad if Brienne killed Jamie to save Pod and Hyle, for example? Is that bad? Yeah. It's but is it good then if she lets Hyle uh, and Pod die? Like I think it's more of that type of, which like, is always what the brand thing was. I mean, it was always yeah, okay. Well, right. That's what die. I mean. Like who, who do I who dies? The person right. that I love or somebody I don't know? And, right. You know. Yeah, people can't think, seem to see it that way though. Well, because Still. yeah, I mean, but yeah, I think that's why I said I, I don't know what bad would be necessarily, and I mean, you know, if killing. Edmure's unborn, you know, killing Edmure's infant child that somehow the Freys are going to, like, willingly give up and stuff would save the lives of, you know, like, 
5,000 Lannister troops and, you know, all of the small folk of River Run, like, is it bad? I mean, yeah, yeah it's, still bad. it's bad, but, you know, it's still bad. I mean, it, this is the thing with Bran. I mean, it's bad. It's you, you don't try to murder kids. I mean, that is bad at the same time. The motive is so completely understandable. You know, it's 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 not. He's not just doing it for fun. Right. Well, I mean, it's like getting into even Stan, like what we think. You know, any of the Stannis or Stannis Mel Shireen scenarios in the books are. Is it, you know, is it bad if if the death of one child is what defeats, you know, what yes. or you know what can help defeat the others? Like, is that you know? Bad's yeah. not like the right word for it. Like, well, I mean, it still is, especially with that, where like the Red God has failed before, Relor has failed before. So I don't know why. How dare you? Well, <laughs> you are going to be smoting. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, okay, so we've got a few more for this chapter. Not surprisingly, um, can we take a, a non tumbler says? Can we take a moment to appreciate the fact that? Denise patted the bus to give it that shape is a slightly strange reply to Jamie's compliment about the color <laughs> of the dress. Unless, of course, Jamie was staring directly at Brienne's chest while he was talking. Oh, that makes shit. sense. <laughs> and the thing that makes <sighs> me howl every time. Jamie's trying to be so nonchalant and thinks, oh, someone's dressed her woman's clothes again. Not that I care. Then, like, two lines later, we get the reveal that someone was Jamie, who specifically sent someone to get Brienne fitted out for a dress. Jamie, I love you, but can you please just sit down and have a word with yourself? <laughs> well, he's a total boob man, so that would make sense. He probably was fucking staring at her chest. Well, he I mean, was, you know, like a good push-up bra can do wonders. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this wouldn't be anything new. He's been obsessed with her boobs since the no, minute they I met mean, her. Yeah, he's totally been obsessed with her, you know, with her body, like yeah, and her legs. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, day yeah. one. Uh, We have one more Anon on Tumblr who says, um, new JB fan here, but my husband started going away inside at their mention, so I turned to your podcast and now I'm obsessed. You all bring so much to the fandom in so many ways. Also, I just finished all the RPG episodes, which were freaking hilarious. So many great moments, but I lost it at episode 90, about minute 30 to 32, which I, I of course, have no idea what happened. Uh, So funny. (laughs) Watkins was awesome, too. No ask, I guess, but thanks for everything. I wish I could. Uh, I don't know the time codes exactly yeah. for those. <laughs> Is that me? I'm just going to guess. It's like when you try, didn't you try to like, like come on to some <laughs> character? That and was... like, think, or no, like, or you maybe you were trying to get someone drunk or something. <laughs> I, I, All of those things happened. <laughs> there was a really great wedding scene <laughs> with Eon. Eon's wedding. Well, wasn't like, there like some guy that just got off a boat and you guys just like immediately killed him? Hey, and our yes. instincts were correct. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, the thing that made me laugh the most when I think about those RPG episodes was comma fake crying to Kevin Lannister. <laughs> oh, I forgot about <laughs> to that. To get pity. <laughs> oh, oh God. That I can't me. believe it wasn't you. That shocks me. <laughs> <laughs> That's like in your playbook. Uh, shut that's up. A, that's a deep, <laughs> deep cut there. Um, so we we also have a few comments on on the subreddit. Um, so SteelyM23 says, "There's so damn much to love about this chapter. Two things really struck me on reread. 
First, and I think you guys have talked about this before, was the contrast between Jamie's self-confessed disinterest in politics and his innate ability to correctly read people in political situations. Jamie exits the council meeting out of boredom while adorable Tommen is still sealing proclamations. However, he goes by the stables and instantly susses out the fake Arya situation with perfect accuracy because he's savvy enough to realize that her age seems off and that nobody would know she was a fake and that the Boltons wouldn't care. Later, he observes that Courtney Penrose wasn't the sort to kill himself while under attack. Maybe he was pushed to this conclusion by Varys, but it seems like behind the scenes he's been connecting the dots in the Renly and Stannis situation. He's so damn smart. The other thing I love is the rapid-fire way he gives all these things to Brienne. The dress prior to the meeting, the letter, the sword, but he gives it all in such a bitchy way. Like, I hate your stupid face. Here's everything you need to fulfill your life's quest. (laughs) Now get out of my sight. But I love the way George structures it so that you don't really get any internal monologue from Jamie about what he's planning to do for Brienne. You don't read his thoughts before he does it. It all comes as a shock to Brienne and the reader. And then at the end of the chapter, as he thinks about how his future is yet to be written, you realize, oh, this is why. So amazing. Anyway, love the podcast, and thanks so much for this free read. Um, Buck O'Hare has a, a oh, quick... Oh, that was really nice. Yeah. That was a good one. A quick one on Reddit. Bangs on desk. Oathkeeper! Oathkeeper! Magic swords! Uh, what does George want us to think with the red magic blade? It's ruby hilt and roaring lion. Is it the just made, or will it be Lightbringer? More important is that Brienne thinks of it as a magic sword. Addendum, is Galadin of Morn a possible founder of House Dane, and is Dawn the original just made? Um, or is the oh. sword of Morn to sort of mourn to sort of mourning, which I thought was like, oh, oh. <laughs> those light bulb moments. Yeah, maybe. Play on but isn't, isn't Dawn like white? You'd think they would mention well, that in the legends. Like milky, isn't it like milky? Milky, is that it? Yeah. And I don't um, know if we know what the just made. No, but you'd think that I would, they would have mentioned that if that was, but I mean, maybe, maybe. Could yeah, because I mean, you think of like a maid, you would think of, you know, like milky white wouldn't be Totally yeah. unusual. No, no, you're right. I just think the red blade is, you know, Lannister, and eventually it, it feels like becomes Targaryen, or you know, well, something. I mean, yeah. like, but it's clearly to make them stand out. I mean, like everybody's saying, nobody's seen a Valyrian steel sword with those colors in. Well, I think you had Tobo Mott say something about, yeah, like he tried. having trouble getting the red in. Like the, yeah. the the steel was resisting him or something. I can't remember. Yeah. And that's why it's like rippled with the black and the. Yeah, that's why it's mixed. Hmm. Which I guess could be, you think of like black and gray as like stark. I mean, I know it's white and gray, but black matches. So <laughs> yeah. Dark colors. I don't know. I mean, no one's wearing just white and gray. You're definitely having black pants with that outfit. Like, obviously. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just assuming. Um, so we have uh, one on Reddit from Wallflower who says, um, interesting how Jamie doesn't once refer to Tywin as his father in this chapter. He refers to him as either Lord Tywin or the Hand, but never as his, as his father, except in the saddest lines of the chapter. I've lost a hand, a father, a son, a sister, and a lover. Um, and I love the chapter's end, not only because Jamie updates his entry in the White Book, but also because he includes Brienne in his entry. He didn't have to do it, but he chooses to include her because he feels she deserves the recognition. 
Yeah. And then comes what I see as a very hopeful and powerful note as Jamie reflects that from here on out, he will be the one in charge of how his story goes and can do whatever he chooses. Although Jamie hasn't broken free of Cersei, this chapter waters the seeds that were planted back in Jamie 7 that he will break free of her at some point and become his own man. Um, I have a couple questions. Do you think Jamie really believes Sansa killed Joffrey? If he did, why did he send Brienne on the quest to find Sansa and keep her safe? I mean, I think he thinks that I think she he did. does. Yeah, yeah he, I mean, he actually thinks it in the last chapter, I think. Yeah, yeah. he definitely and I don't thinks think... she had a part in it. Because he does even yeah. have this musing, like, well, obviously somebody's helping her. Right, and I mean, I think he thinks Tyrion. I mean, I think he also thinks Tyrion was helping her. But I think that he frees Tyrion and gives Brienne Oathkeeper because he, he thinks Joff deserved it. He and literally he, thinks Joff deserved it. Right. <laughs> he has that thought. Well, more than one time, like, this is what I keep saying. There's a reason that nobody's mourning Joffrey, including Jamie, and it's not just that he didn't have a relationship with him. It's because Joffrey was a total fucking asshole, and yeah. nobody but Cersei's <laughs> sorry that he's gone. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we know Jamie doesn't suspect Littlefinger at all. Like, that's not on, you know, Littlefinger is very, like nondescript in the book and then the Tyrells were smart enough to keep repeating this and Marjorie was drinking from the same cup so you know like they've successfully deflected all suspicion from them so it is like you know who else is it if not Tyrion and and Sansa it's natural to think that it's Sansa yeah and and Jamie doesn't know Sansa at all right right and I mean you know Sansa could have easily been in on it I mean it you know she was she just didn't know it so I mean yeah Given the choice, I don't think she would have, you know, she wouldn't have wanted to kill Joffrey, but, you know, I don't think she would have. Um, no, she doesn't. I mean, yeah, she's right. she's upset about it. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah, it's like, am I crying? She hates him. Yeah. Um, and we have a bunch of, we have a bunch of notes from um, Webury, Webury on, on the subreddit as well. And um, I just, I just have like maybe one or two I want to read. I'm still upset about the White Tower scene in the show, which I learned about a couple of months ago. It's such a fuck you to this scene, a fuck you to this to this Jamie. He wants to have sex with Cersei, but he doesn't. Addiction, my ass. Here he clearly says no. He pushes her away because the White Tower means something to him and because he is trying to assert himself as an individual in front of her, not just a sex toy she can control. I was so pissed, man. What a fucking joke. Which word? <laughs> um... Uh, Jamie delivering some sort of divine justice by having Loras bring Brienne to him. Like we already, we know he trusts Laura. He trusts Loras will not try to kill her or anything. And this is kind of the, you know, we shake hands and be friends now. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I think we, we overlook a little bit too. Like, you know, this gets into Jamie's political savvy. Like this is, this is the only way to save Brienne essentially is to get the Tyrell stamp of approval for her because, you know, in Jamie's perspective, this is, you know, these are their co. The Tyrells are going to be their co-rulers, and you know, Brienne can't survive essentially if she's only declared innocent by Lannister decree. Like, the, well, that's it. The Tyrells yeah. have to buy into it too. So that's it. Jamie wants her to never have to deal with this again in any yeah. sort of legal sense. I mean, obviously, the rumors yeah. will always exist. He can't do anything about that. But, um, you know, I I didn't mention this, but you know, I've I've talked about it on the last few episodes. The, these last two chapters of Jamie's are very much him wrapping everything up in his life um, because he's not sure he's going to survive trying to release yeah. Tyrion. 
And this is, you know, this is one of the threads that he needs to wrap up. And that is taking care of Brienne, getting her out of King's Landing so that she won't be blamed for anything he might be involved in, but also making sure she doesn't have to deal with this Renly thing anymore. And um, I think it's something he doesn't really get a lot of credit for. (laughs) He really does a good job of it because, I mean, it is basically put to bed. And then just one more question from um, Webbery. She says, Jamie gave her a hard smile. See, Wench, we know each other too well. I'm not a native English speaker, and I'm not sure how to take the hard smile. He seems to be tense or upset, and how would you go about interpreting that smile? Is it that he doesn't like that she can read him so well, or maybe that he's thinking about Tyrion? Um, you know, any any thoughts about like the the hard the hard smile? I mean, I kind of feel like it's almost like like yeah, you get how fucked my life is in a way. Uh, I always read hard smiles as um, begrudging smiles. Yeah. Like not quite genuine, but almost like yeah. a, um, a defensive yeah. uh, face of a smile, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it for mail. A ton of mail for that chapter, though. That was amazing. Um, yeah. Thank you for everything, guys. I mean, obviously, that chapter is going to get some mail because it is a big, big deal. Um, okay. So if you would like to send us mail, you can either, um, hit us up on our Tumblr. We are close the door and come here at tumblr.com. Um, you can send us a Gmail at close the door and at gmail.com. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter at, at door podcast, right? Um, something like that. <laughs> if if you'd like to become a Patreon, we would really appreciate it. That helps us pay our hosting fees. Um, we are on Patreon at, I think, patreon.com forward slash close the door. Um, is that right? Sure. Sure. Whatever. Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and you can also, um, if you'd like to come discuss um, past episodes or um, ask questions for upcoming episodes on um, the Jamie Brienne subreddit, which is um, just reddit.com um, slash r slash Jamie Brienne. Um, I think, did I remember everything this time? No, I'm sure I forgot something. It also, oh, where, we where are we movies. listening? <laughs> huh? Where are we listening to the podcast? Oh, yeah. We, we love reviews. So if you're listening on Stitcher or iTunes or any other place, we'd love it if you would review us um, because it helps other people find us. Yeah, kind just of, review know, we, us in general. Like any, We like reading reviews, too, so that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The good or bad, um, we'll read them. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. We'll, we'll read anything. Uh, okay, closing the door. Get out. <laughs>